Welcome to the Princess and the Bee podcast, the place to be to build your empire as queen of your body, business, and life. I'm your host, Kimberly Spencer, founder of crownyourself.com, and I'm an award-winning coach, Amazon best-selling author, and multi-passionate entrepreneur. Each week, I give you the systems, strategies, and success stories to help you master your mindset, communicate with ease, and triple your productivity so you make the income and the impact you deserve. Imagine this podcast as your weekly spark of inspiration as you take it to the next level with all the bees of your life, body, business, bank account, boys and babies. Let's make it rain. Hello, hello, and welcome back to The Princess and the Bee. I am so excited to be here with you and my amazing guest, my friend, Megan Huber. I'm so excited to be here. (laughs) I cannot wait to dive in. I feel so honored to be on your show and for us to be having this conversation. So thanks for having me. Absolutely. So let's let's dive right in because you have your company is called Structured Freedom. And you and I, both being coaches, we have seen entrepreneurs fling themselves off the cliff of entrepreneurship with the battle cry of freedom and having no structure around so that they fall splat. So why is structure so important to having freedom and building freedom into your business? Yeah. Okay. So this is something I've been talking about lately. There is, you know, this whole conversation and I think marketing angle specifically in our industry, you and I probably both use this terminology as well. So I'm not like dogging it. I just think we need to be really clear about what it actually means. And it's this ease and flow. And most people, including myself, we started our businesses. However, many years ago, I started mine when I became a mom you know, I left my teaching career, became a mom. And it's like, oh, I don't want to go back to work. I want to be here with my child. And why did I want to be with her? I wanted to have, I wanted to have freedom of choice. I wanted to have more freedom over my time and where my time was being invested. And at that moment in my life, I wanted my time to invest it with my child. And that's why a lot of us start our businesses. We have this whole idea that growing a business is going to be easier. Growing a business is going to give us all this flexibility. Growing a business is going to give us all this time back. We're going to be the boss. Nobody tells us what to do. So on and so forth. We all have that idea initially. And I think because many of us are walking away from an environment that, I mean, it may or may not have had a lot of structure, but there were rules, right? Like if most of us had a job before I did, right? I had a job, worked for a work for the school system. There were rules, there were guidelines. Um, there was a certain way of operating. You had very little control. You had very little say so on anything. And so again, so we're moving into these businesses and it's like, we had this idea or this thought like, well, I don't want that anymore. You know, F the rules, F the how to F the having a boss, F having to like show up every day and and do certain things. And it's like all in the name of like ease and flow. And what a lot of entrepreneurs find is that everything they're searching for in ease and flow, the entire way they're setting up their business from business model to how they're doing their marketing, to how they're conducting their sales, to how they're pricing their programs, to how they're structuring the delivery of their programs. 
to how they're saying yes to every single offer idea they have. Like it's like being on every single social media platform. It is the, they're creating the opposite of ease and flow. And a lot of them don't realize that's what they're actually doing. It's like, you say you want ease and flow, but every single decision you're making in your business is leading you towards hard work. It's leading you towards a lot of work hours. It's leading you towards burned burnout and it's leading you toward exhaustion. And then you bring in discussions like a calendar, a schedule, a sales process, a content calendar. And it's like, they have this idea like, oh my God, I'm going to be put into a street jacket. I can't do that. I need flexibility. I need to go with the flow. And it's like, okay, well, this is giving you go with the flow. So back to what I said, like however many minutes ago, it's a conversation I've been having a lot this week with people who are veteran business owners, some of which who literally teach ease and flow. And I'm like, help me figure out how to better articulate when you actually step into ease and flow. Um, because sometimes I have a hard time articulating that because I am about the systems and the structure and the strategy and like the business principles and that side of building a business. And it can be challenging to figure out the integration between those two worlds. I get that. I've struggled with that as well. And so I'm like, I'm going to tap some of my ease and flow entrepreneurs on the shoulder who have like insanely successful businesses teaching that. And they're like, you can have ease and flow, but ease and flow comes on the back side of preparation. It comes on the back side of systems. It come on, comes on the back side of setting up structure. It comes on the back side of putting in whatever work you have to put in. I'll give you a, an example. I just started a podcast, just launched our podcast in October of 2021. And prior to the launch of that, I spent about two months getting everything in order, everything aligned, our team in place all of our organizational structures, all of our SOPs. And at the time of this recording, our podcast has only been live for now three weeks, three weeks as of today. I literally kid you not, I feel like our team has been doing it for years because it's so darn easy. It's so easy, it shouldn't be that easy. And I was like, why is this so easy? Why, did, why does this feel like such ease and flow? Why do I feel like I have so much creative freedom? Why am I having... I'm having the most fun in my entire business. Well, one of the things well, I'd say top three, it's that podcast. And I was like, wow, because we started it out with structure. We started out with a process. We started out with a system. We started out putting all that in place so that it would give us the opportunity and give us the option to have ultimate, honestly, like creative freedom with the podcast. Also time freedom. Somebody asked me the question um, yesterday about the podcast. I think I was like commenting in a social media post about like, do you have a podcast and how often do you release an episode? And I said, well, I release two episodes a week. And her response to that was, doesn't that overwhelm you? Adding to have to record two episodes a week. I said, that's a really good question actually, because we think in our mind, adding something else to the schedule is gonna push us over the edge going to overwhelm us. And I said, actually it's done the exact opposite because it's inviting me to be more conscious about consistency, about frequency with things, about what I really want. Of course, other things have to move around, but when you get really, really consistent with something and you have structure around something, you actually realize how messy everything else was that you were doing before. And it just shows you like this clear pathway that is literally clear up ahead 
when you've got the structure in place, it's a game changer. So you have to get over any labels you put on the word structure and realize, like, just change the meaning of the word structure in your mind, which I know is your zone of genius. Like, I don't, that's not my zone of genius, but like change the meaning of the word. What if structure actually equaled more freedom for you, like time freedom to do the things you want to do with the people who you love. And that would probably be the biggest game changer for anybody on putting more structure in their life or business. Oh my gosh, so much there. And I love with with what you said about structure and setting up your podcast, it's kind of like after I just had Colton, for those first three months, like navigating a baby and structure are two very different things. And I've now just started to build back in my gym routine in the mornings. And I have to say that my early morning wake up call set you up for success gym routine and having that the thought like and I had somebody ask me like doesn't adding that to your schedule like just like why would you do that right now I said why would I not it makes me feel good I feel amazing and by having that structure my son has gotten on a feeding structure which so the structure ripples to create that m more freedom and predictability. Mm -hmm. And I think that's another thing that so many entrepreneurs struggle with is the, the having that predictability and building predictability into their business, predict spe specifically with predictable revenue. Yeah. How much, like, where do you put in the systems and structure first to build in that predictable revenue? That's a really good question. All right. I'm going to, let me preface my answer about like the revenue part of it with, an, I want to give like a real life example of, of something that actually happened earlier today before this recording. So this is going to answer the question about having the structure and having a plan in place actually allows you to be more flexible. It gives you the ability to bounce back or course correct much more easily. So I have a client who um, a few weeks ago, this is like super last minute. So there was not like a whole lot of like runway time to this, what she decided to do. She decided to put on like this free, literally all day event with speakers. And, uh, this, each speaker would come in and speak for 25 minutes. And I was one of those today. And, uh, she had like a whole team around it who put everything together. Like they beautifully structured it all and, and set up the planning, yada, yada, yada. It was like amazing. So as a person who was being interviewed on it, my experience as one of those panelists um, was really high because everything came across to me as a panelist leading up to the day, exceptionally organized, very well planned. I knew where I was supposed to be when links, all the things great. So I did my thing and probably like 10 minutes after I was done with my, my 25 minute segment, I got a message from one of her assistants who also happens to do work for me as well. So she slacked me, she sent me a Slack message and she was like, Hey, we have a little kerfuffle. Could you actually hop back on and help us fill in some time? So I guess the person who was speaking after me, like on the very last second was like, I can't come, I can't show up. And so they have like all these attendees waiting for this person and I was like, yeah, sure. And I actually did have to push a meeting back by 30 minutes. And so I jumped on and another person, another panelist jumped on and literally it's like, nobody skipped a beat. 
there was not a hitch. And when we all came on live, we almost were like the intermission show, you know, it was like the intermission show. And I started, I said, you know what? This is such a good example for a group of entrepreneurs watching this, not just listening. Cause I think we do a lot of telling and not a lot of showing in our industry. Like it's easy to tell people, you know, like even on this podcast, like it's really easy for us to sit here and tell people like, go get more structure, go plan, go prepare. But when you can actually show people the benefit of that, when a snag happens, when a kerfuffle happens, when something completely unexpected happens, she didn't expect a, a speaker to back out two minutes before they're supposed to go live. Like, what's she going to do? She's got all these people here. And so we jumped on and I said, I am actually so glad this happened. I'm so, so glad this happened for the audience to witness because what they're getting to witness is the result of you and your team being prepared and having a very, very step-by-step -step plan in place for this day. Everything was planned to the T. And I said, because you had this planned out to the T, it made it 10 times easier for you to course correct at the drop of a hat. And it appeared to the audience that that was scripted. And I said, imagine if you did not have this that well planned out in terms of like the communication between all the panelists. The reason why they were able to do that is because they had team in place and they had communication mechanisms in place and we all were well aware of it. So we're all like literally, you know, accessible, like, you know, with a click of a button. And I was like, this is entrepreneurship, entrepreneurship on a day-to-day -day basis. It's kind of like parenting. It is never going to go as planned ever. But that doesn't mean you don't have a plan, right? Like every single day, some sort of new obstacle or unexpected problem or speed bump or hiccup, it is bound to happen, especially when other people are involved because we can't control others, especially when technology is involved. We have no control over technology, uh, any outside force. I mean, you can't control when your kid is going to poop and have a blowout. You know, you can't control that. You can't control when they're ready to feed on the boob, you can't control when they get sick. And if you've got clients during that time, or you have something else scheduled during that time, like, guess what? Baby takes priority depending on what the issue is. Right. But if everything is well-planned and structured leading up to it, you feel one bajillion times more confident in your ability to course correct without your audience or your paying clients feeling any type of like the brunt of that, right? Like they don't have to take it on. So I just wanted to share that because I think there is this misconception that anybody, any, any of us are watching that like bad stuff doesn't happen to them or like problems aren't coming up or they're not having to solve issues because they have it all figured out. Like, no, actually they just have a much better plan and because of the plan, they have predictability because they have a plan. They have figured out what works and then they can repeat it over and over and over again and just start pulling little levers. And it's so much easier for them to course correct because they can literally predict how they're going to bounce back. You can almost predict how you're going to course correct. I know I like totally didn't answer your question about the revenue part. <laughs> you might want to ask me that question again. But that, but, but that makes so much like that, that piece makes so much sense because having that plan in place it and and I love the example as well and I think you said something that that touches on something that I have seen so often with entrepreneurs that 
kind of is like my hot button issue. It like drives me a little crazy is you, you mentioned priorities and versus urgency. And I noticed how you didn't say the word urgency because there is this perception, I think, with a lot of business owners that everything is urgent, like getting a podcast out is the same as responding to a client. And so they're put on the same pedestal of urgency versus, you know, taking care of a, a child. And so that's where I see a lot of entrepreneurs getting tripped up as they have, it's not prioritization. It's also lack of a definition of what is urgent. Mm, and it's also good. lack of priorities and, and lack of a, a team structure, understanding what are the key priorities and mm -hmm. what are not. Yeah. Yeah. And so how do you teach prioritization? Okay. So, you know, first of all, everybody gets to have their own priorities, right? So when we talk about like, how do I figure out what my priorities are, my business and my life? Know that my priorities are not Kim's priorities. Kim's priorities are not my priorities. And our priorities are not the same as anybody listening to this. There might be some overlap. You know, we're both moms. Our kids are a priority. The relationship we have of our husband is a priority. We're both spiritual people. That's a priority. We both like health and wellness. It's a priority. So you and I probably get along really well because we actually do have a whole lot of similarities with our priorities. But throughout the day, like you may have different priorities in the morning than I have. You may have different priorities, you know, so it changes. So I think that's number one. It's recognizing that just because you see someone else, especially a woman you admire or you look up to, or you idolize, or even in somebody that you are watching and you might have twinges of jealousy around, they have their own set of priorities and they have figured that out and it may or may not work for you. So that's number one. Number two, I really, and I think you do this as well. So clients come to me straight up for business, right? I mean, I can have talk about like mindset. I can kind of talk about other things, but people come to me because they want to scale their business and they want to grow. They come to me for strategies very specifically. And at the same time, I know as a business strategist, I can tell if someone is out of alignment, whether it's their values or beliefs or priorities with what they're coming to me and what they're asking me, like a business question. I can feel it internally, usually in my chest. And Same it's like, a, you get like hot, you know, yeah. like your chest gets hot, your heart beats and you have like this physical reaction to it. And that to me has always been a sign like this person, because I don't hear it audibly. I don't hear like, you know, Jesus or God or whatever saying like, oh, she's out of alignment. I feel it in my chest. And I'm like, uh, this person is out of alignment. So it doesn't matter what I suggest to them. It doesn't matter what advice I give them. It doesn't matter what consulting I give them on their business. It's out of alignment for them. So I encourage my clients to design their life first. So if you're an entrepreneur, get really clear on your priorities in your life. Like, don't like forget about your business for a minute, because the whole purpose of your business is to honor the kind of life that you desire to live. And everybody gets to do that. Look, a lot of us, and probably a lot of people listening to this, we are mothers. We may or may not be married. Uh, family is probably all of like one of our top three priorities or top three values. It's not, it's actually not my number one. My number one value is integrity mm. and honesty. My number two is family. So get clear on life, get clear on health, your personal finances, relationships with family, extended family, or romantic relationships, friendships, get clear on your hobbies, get clear on spirituality, 
all of that. Literally, also get clear on priorities with um, holidays and when you're going to take time off and create whatever kind of schedule or calendar that works for you. So I always schedule out life first. Life finds its way and I live by my calendar. I do what my calendar tells me to do because then I don't have choices and I don't have to think. And I, I design my calendar to be in alignment with my priorities. So I'm not in like a priority or I'm not in like this uh, decision fatigue. I'm not in this like place of I have all these choices. I don't know what to and do. Decision fatigue is so real when it's like, oh, I could do this and oh, I could do this and oh, I could do this. Especially like for me, decision fatigue comes in. Like it doesn't, it, it used to enter in back when I was struggling with bulimia because I would have such decision fatigue over like, what do I eat mm-hmm. versus now I'm like, if it doesn't live on the land or come from the land, we're pretty much, <laughs> that's about it. Yeah. So, you know, same with us with food. I think that's a really good example. Like, um, Sean, my husband had a heart attack about mm, two and a half, three months ago. He's 49. He'll be 50 in December. Like the healthiest guy I know. Uh, and we have really had the opportunity to completely alter his diet or actually like all of our, not just his, like all of ours, um, because like all sorts of other things, he goes to naturopaths and they've really guided him. And it's like every week it's like, you don't eat this, don't eat this, don't eat this. And we basically cut out all, all grain, zero grain, zero dairy, a very little, if any red meat. So we literally like no snack food whatsoever. Uh, we eat roasted vegetables, ground turkey, chicken, and some fruit. That's it. And we don't go out to eat either. So that was another priority for us. So two things became really like big priority on the personal side. And it was going out to eat. Well, number one, we cook better food. Uh, number two, we can prepare our food in a more healthy way. Uh, we have more control over it when we're cooking it at home. And going out to eat, we don't have that kind of control. We don't, you don't even have control if they're putting like MSG on your food or a spice that doesn't work for you or the oil they're cooking it in, right? Like Sean has to be really careful about like oils and butters and stuff too. So we were like, well, going out to eat doesn't work for us. It's not a priority. Then the other thing is our personal finances. When we looked at how much money a month was actually going to eating out, it was well over a thousand dollars a month. Then we looked at, well, why is that happening? Like, why are we a, a family of three, one child, two adults who eat healthy? Why are we spending that much money on going out to eat? And when we looked at it, it was lack of preparation in the kitchen. It was a lack of meal preparation. It was laziness. It was all those things. And we were like, wait a minute, this is out of alignment for us. This is not in alignment with our value system. And when we got really aligned with our value system, I, I recognized with the personal finance stuff, I was like, we're doing a whole lot of unconscious spending, unconscious spending rather than conscious investing. And it wasn't just with our money because your money points to where you're spending your time. And it was unconscious spending of our time instead of conscious investing where our time was going to go. And it was actually diving into the personal finances that opened my whole world up, plus in tandem, the heart attack that really helped us figure out what our values were, which then after that, it helped us get really clear on what our priorities are in all the different categories of life. So if you don't start there, 
if you don't start at the level of like life and values, then it's really hard to prioritize. You're just being blown around by whatever direction the wind wind is blowing that day. Mm-hmm. That is such a, I, and I love the fact that you took a look at your finances because that's one of the things that I actually love doing is looking at the 90 day like expenses and not from a place of like, I, I, I correlate money stuff with eating disorder stuff so often because I think more people have like an eating disorder with their money than they actually do with their bodies. But with money, with ex- with expenses, it's not coming from a place of blame or shame or, oh, how, you know, judgment on yourself. It's literally looking at the data that, that points to where your spending is, what the story is around the spending, mm-hmm. and then how does that mean that you're spending your time? How does that mean that you are spending your dollar? And is that a worthy investment? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when it comes to the business side of selecting what your priorities are, obviously life comes first. I would also say from the business side, you know, I help people grow a multi six and seven figure business and I don't get into little tactics, tricks, tips, trendy, anything. I really stick to high level strategy and like really sound business principles that are timeless, that are never going to go away. And one of the, you know, a few things that are holding people back from actually getting to that level and, and kind of moving from like early stage, then into like traction, like you've got to get traction, you've got to get momentum, then you've got to accelerate, you know, part of the setting your priorities is setting your priorities on what, like what product or program is going to be like your main thing that you are making a priority in your business that you're focused on. That's probably, you know, building 80% of your company. You know, we also have to prioritize our offers. We have to prioritize like, who's the one client I'm talking to. We have to prioritize, well, how, what's my marketing strategy going to be? And, and what, marketing channels or platforms am I really going to master? Those things have to be prioritized as well, because, you know, I've experienced that too, like not really making the decision of, okay, well, which social media platform or marketing channel am I going to prioritize? If you aren't having that discussion with yourself, then you are very easily lured into every trendy new thing that pops up. Like reels is such a popular thing. And I've got nothing on anybody who does reels but it's not a priority for me in my business. But I have certainly thought about a lot in my head. Am I missing out on a really big opportunity because I'm not doing reels? I'm seeing all these people do reels. I'm seeing all these people create programs on how to do reels. Am I shortchanging my clients? Because I have thought all of that sometimes almost every day. And I still haven't really done reels because I know what my priority is. It's just like with the podcast. It has to be a priority if I'm making the podcast one of my major channels long-term for the next five to 10 years or however long podcasts are around. That has to be a priority, which means we have a whole system built around it, which means I have hired team members to, I've got three people who help me just with my podcast. It means I have to get interviews scheduled. It means I've got to make sure I'm recording my solo episodes in, in a timely fashion. It means we've got to be marketing it. Well, that takes up time, energy, people, and resources. It's working because I made it a priority. So I think that we tend to make too many different things 
quote unquote priority, or we just have so many different things going on and we don't know which one is priority. And, you know, obviously you've got to look at like, what's your long-term, like, what is the long-term game plan? What kind of um, impact do I want to make long-term? What kind of legacy do I want to leave long-term? I am not someone who pays much attention to short-term gains. I just don't. I lose money because of that. I lose a lot of money because of that. Um, But I'm not willing to play this game and live my life or run my business on short-term gains because then that, I mean, it's it's just not sustainable to do that. Like when you're playing off of those short-term gains and I too have spent days thinking like TikTok, (laughs) TikTok. And every time I go back to priorities, I say like, well, who is my audience? My audience, my ideal customer is typically a Gen Xer. They're not really on TikTok. And so being able to to recognize like, is that someplace where your audience is? Is that something that you really want to lean into? And making it a conscious choice instead of letting it just be a decision that gets deferred. And I've noticed people struggle more when they have deference of decision versus actually just making a conscious decision and saying, nope, check in. Alignment check-in, is that aligned with my business? Is that aligned with what I, where I want to go? Nope, it isn't. Okay, next, done. No need to, no need to think I'm missing out on reels or TikTok anymore yeah. because that FOMO will just keep you spinning your wheels. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I'm glad you said the word alignment. Again, I think a lot of folks in the business community and entrepreneurs, that's another thing, like I was saying earlier, like structure and ease and flow. I think Mm -hmm. we have a challenging time integrating those two things together, but both of them are necessary. Both of them are critical. And then I think we also have a hard time with like alignment and goals, like setting goals and then alignment or, you know, I'll see a lot of people like constantly change their mind, but to the point where they never actually get traction, but in the name of alignment. So, Mm. you know, also with like this whole, like, again, like all I talk is like business, but it, what I teach and what I do or any business coach you go to the structure, the strategies, the systems, the steps, the, all that, none of it works. If you're out of alignment, none of it works if you're out of alignment. So it's always about tuning into alignment first, and then it's setting the structure, setting the systems, setting the business steps, then set your goals. I mean, even like, you know, you, we still haven't gotten to that revenue question, but we'll talking about like, that. We'll get to it eventually. <laughs> Talking about like money, I mean, you and I both hear this probably a lot. Again, I think because we're so privy to social media and I feel like the only people who exist on the planet are other coaches because like that's so much of what my social media looks like. But like everybody is talking about money. Everybody's talking about how much money they make or how big of a launch they had. And I'm not saying like, don't talk about money. But we see it so much. And then again, because I'm working with people who come to me because they want to make more money, I hear people's financial goals all day long. And I've started getting to this place. I used to just like take it at face value. It's like, okay, you want to make 100K? Like, let's go. Here's your plan. Boom. And I've started like reeling that back in because you start to see people getting exceptionally bent out of shape when they don't hit their financial goals. And then I started wondering, why did this person say that's how much money they wanted to make? Where did that actually come from? 
And often, not every time, but often that person has no idea why they even want that money. They have no clue out of alignment. And sometimes I think we're saying these like really audacious numbers, but what would actually be in alignment with us is something less. But then we, and it, that's just like case by case basis, right? Like your calling is your calling. My calling is my calling. We each have our own calling. Not everybody is supposed to make a bajillion dollars. If that's what's in alignment with you, go make a bajillion dollars. If it's in alignment with you to make a hundred K a month, go do it. But what if 20K a month was actually in alignment with you? And I think we have to practice being able to tune into that alignment when it comes to financial numbers. And, and again, I will say this, I do think it is challenging not to compare ourselves to everybody else talking about money online. That I, I struggle with that. I still have a hard time with that. It's like, I've been doing this longer than her. She's making more money than me. I need to go make that much money too. And why am I not making that much money? And what is, and then you go down Same the whole here. rabbit hole of something's wrong with me. Am I not supposed to something's wrong with me? And then we have this whole thing, like maybe I just haven't figured out how to crack the code. And then we just keep going and buying more and more and more stuff thinking that this person or that person or this course or that course is going to have the answer. And they might have answers. They might have guidance. They might. Yes, they actually might. But if we're entering into those decisions, if we're entering into setting those financial goals, if we're entering into working with those coaches and buying those programs out of alignment, we're not going to get any further, any faster. And we're going to find ourselves at the same place by the time you get to the end of that program or the end of the year, just like we did last year. Like how many times have I done that? Many. It's why I can talk, talk about it. So I think this is this alignment piece deserves a lot of airtime when it comes to financials and our desired revenue we say we want to make. I hope you're enjoying this interview as much as I had doing it, which is why I wanted to share with you that Communication Queens is opening up on May 20th for enrollment. Communication Queens is my eight-week program to teach you how to get booked on interviews just like this so that you can learn how to stand out, how to share your story, how to serve and sell all by getting booked on podcast interviews. As a busy mom of two under five running a business, I don't have a ton of time to do a whole bunch of lead generation and client generation strategies that don't work, which is why I do about two to three podcast interviews per week. And I know with the system that I have set up that I teach inside of Communication Queens, it delivers clients automatically. So all I need to do is just show up for the interviews. In Communication Queens, I teach you exactly how to set yourself up for success, get booked on podcasts consistently, and the communication and storytelling strategies that will help you connect your message with your products and services so that podcasts become a very easy lead generation and client generation strategy for you. My communication queens get booked on podcasts by week two or three of the program. So if you're looking to get booked on podcasts consistently to not only build your brand, but attract those super glorious, amazing, soul aligned clients and customers for your business, then get your booty up inside Communication Queens. The link is in the description. I look forward to seeing you inside of the program. And now let's continue with the interview. 
I think of it like this because I saw everyone online and especially in the coaching space, like posting their big money goals. And I thought about it and I really sat with that question and I constantly go back to my body and the success strategy, the subconscious success strategy that I developed through healing my body from bulimia. And I looked at it and I said, did I ever publicly announce my weight goals? <laughs> no, I never said I'm going to be at this weight. I never, I never, that never was in alignment because most people were, that would have th- triggered a lot of my audience who was coming to me back then for Pilates training. And so I never said that. I just always went from a place of feeling and I had a strategy and a process, Pilates, that worked, that produced results. Well, the same is true with coaching. And I literally looked at, I'm so glad that you brought up the revenue number because so many people share their revenue numbers. And we think that that's like, oh, that's a must for the industry. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's, is that ultimately true? And I, I like, I just worked with a speech coach to prepare for my TEDx talk and she's doing fantastic. She doesn't even have a website, but she's like worked with huge people up in Silicon Valley and the CEO of Salesforce on their TEDx talks. And, and she's not out there sharing on social media, her numbers. And I think that that's, that's a powerful thing to think in the industry. What are those industry, it's almost like high school like those high school, like the popular crowd of what they're doing. And then you have the other people who are achieving success who are doing it on their own individual terms. Mm -hmm. It's just in a different way. It's just in an alignment way. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, that that's fascinating what you just said about your weight goals. And when you were asking yourself, like, was I out talking about like my weight goals and my health goals? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've, I've, I've never health goals, like running a marathon. That was a goal and like a a specific goal so like a travel goal or a a lifestyle goal those were goals that i would have for my business mm-hmm. but an actual financial goal of the number i i the number i used to stress myself out about so much yeah with weight and with income yeah and yeah. it was when i was allowed when i let that go in both spaces that was when my numbers actually started to transform mm-hmm. yeah i mean I find it challenging for myself personally as a, in the business category, right? Like, and if you're coaching entrepreneurs on business, their top line goal, their top line metric is always more money. Right. Mm -hmm. And I have, I still find it quite challenging. I'm getting better, but I find it challenging to even want to post about a client making a certain amount of money. Or I literally want to cringe every time I feel like, or even, I mean, I, I include it sometimes in my posts. Cause it's like, you kind of ask yourself, well, is anybody going to think that I'm any good at what I do? If I'm not mm-hmm. out talking about my numbers, because they're seeing all these other coaches talk about their numbers. And again, that is, it's almost like we have like this fantasy. And so we're, we're joining, we're working with people based on like this fantasy that either their marketing has created or that we've created, we we're creating in our own minds. And so then you think like, oh God, like I've got to say how much money I've made too. Are people going to think, I don't know what I'm doing. And then we also have this big message in our industry. I feel like we're like getting on a rant with the industry. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you wanted it to go in this direction. It's but, all good. But then there's like this, um, oh, what was I going to say? It'll come back to me. I don't know. I was going to say something about something else that we're seeing all the time. A trend in the industry. 
Yeah. There's like, I forget. I had a specific example. Um, but there's like this thing that I feel like we're so, oh, I know what I was going to say. There's this whole, there's this message. I don't actually believe this. And I think because I don't believe it because I have a, I have an athletic background and played sports and my brother played a professional sport, but it's this whole thing. Like don't hire a coach unless they've already created what you want to create. And I actually call BS on that. And I, I think, I'm, okay, thank God. I'm not the only one. Cause I think we are a rare breed that actually believes that unless people are just not saying it out loud. And I don't believe that because if I, if you look at, okay, let's take Serena Williams as an example. I'm, I was a tennis player. I'm obsessed with tennis. My brother was a baseball player. I'm not obsessed with baseball, but I love athletics. I love to study. I study um, athletes and coaches more than I like athletic coaches, more than I study fellow entrepreneurs. I love studying the like elite of the elite athletes, like your Michael Jordans, like your Serena Williams in all sports. And I love studying their coaches. Mm. And I the coaches playbook was like my jam on Netflix. Oh my God. I've watched it twice. I watched Michael Jordan's documentary, the last dance, yep. all 10 oh, episodes so more good. than once because I wanted to study how they approach the, the whole mindset game of that. And Serena Williams has had the same tennis coach for the last 10 years. His name is Patrick. I can't pronounce his last name, but if you know about his story, he stopped playing tennis when he was a teenager, never played professionally, never really even played competitively. And he has been the coach of the goat of tennis. He's never stepped out on the court and swung a racket as a professional. And if you watch him play, it's not like he's horrible at tennis himself but I could hang with him. I could go play with him. He doesn't have great form. He doesn't have great technique, but clearly he is one of the greatest coaches of all time when it, he's got his own tennis Academy, mm -hmm. right? Like he, he coaches way more than just Serena Williams. If you look at so many of our most iconic coaches in sports and athletics, I, I'd, I'd actually be interested to know in the percentage of our most elite level coaches, how many of them actually played the sport they're coaching professionally and they're out coaching professional players because it's not just come do what I did. There's so much more, it, more to it than that. I mean, I, I have coached people who make a whole lot more money than I do. Same here. Because Same of here. what I bring to their business, they don't have the element that I have, or they need the outside perspective coming in. And I think in a very particular way when it comes to business. So I call BS on that. And a lot of people are using that as their marketing message. Well, okay. Why did I even bring this up? Why are we even talking about this? Again, I think it's because we're seeing these marketing messages out there. We're seeing these numbers out there. And we have to realize a lot of people are learning and thinking they're getting valuable content from other people's marketing messages. And we have to understand that we're all out there posting marketing messages. And the point of that is to get you to buy our stuff. And so a lot of people post those things because they want people to buy their stuff. And a lot of folks, I'm just not willing to do it, will say anything whether it's true or not, not that they're bad people. They're just like saying things to get people to buy their stuff. But I think we've just been so coerced to believe that we, oh, I have to be that way too. I have to say that too. And again, I have found it very challenging in this industry to voice, but I don't believe that. That's not how I want to roll. 
Like I don't, I don't do reels and TikTok because I'm a bit of a, I like to be very private. I like to keep my personal life very private. Um, I don't see anything wrong with other people who show all the things, but it's just a choice I've made, which is why that stuff, again, if we're going to use alignment, the word alignment mm -hmm. and priorities, you have to know what's an alignment for you. You have to know what's priority for you and then make the choice that honors you make the choice that honors those beliefs, those values, those priorities, and be really mindful of how much we're letting this outside social media world or other people's lives encroach on who God has called us to be. Mm -hmm. Amen. I think one of the, the points that I make just even in our industry, whenever I hear that argument of don't coach what you haven't done yet. And I said, Tony Robbins, like leader of the coaching industry, basically was coaching Peter Drucker. Peter Drucker had made billions by then. Tony Robbins was just starting to make millions and multiple millions. And he ended up having a coat, like a round table to help with his business from all of the amazing people that he had worked with who had been doing quadruple, triple, you know, exponentially better financially than he had been doing. Mm -hmm. And so I, I just think that that myth is it perpetuates a, an incestuous coaching cycle, which I think is such a shame because coaching is so much more than the coaching industry. Yeah, I agree. I think a lot of us, a lot, there's a lot of us, right. Who really hold the coaching industry and the, the skill set of coaching and the art and science of coaching, um, very near and dear. And there's a lot of us who are truth seekers and truth tellers. Sometimes I think, you know, somebody like me, I tend to be a little bit quieter uh, about it. Maybe I need to be louder about it. Um, <laughs> but there are a lot of us. It's a phenomenal industry. It's a phenomenal space. It is very much needed. Uh, we just need to be telling the truth more. Yeah, I agree. I completely agree. And I think really that truth from that soul-based place of truth. And I know that's your, your system in your business is soul first strategy second. So can you explain a bit more about how you operate that system? Have you always operated by that system? Huh, no. So I first started coaching in like 2011 and I operated from the neck up partially, I think, because I was gifted with being able to process a lot of information. I can process, like just throw all your information at me and I can process it and I can be given the most complicated mumble jumbled, whatever you can give me, like, how do you build a spaceship and get to the moon and just hand it all to me and I could figure it out. I could like move all the parts and pieces around and figure it out. So my brain functions in that way. Um, I think I was put here to use my brain in the way that I do for other people, especially with their business. But I was so not tapped into my own emotions in those early days. It's still something I work on to this day and I probably always will. So you, I always operated from the neck up and when you operate from the neck up, it's very challenging to notice things in clients and to be able to guide them, you know, the best way that they need to be guided. So again, going back to what I said earlier, I didn't know what that feeling was when I would feel, I used to think I was just being really triggered like, uh, really, uh, like mad or like frustrated at my clients because they weren't getting it. That's mm -hmm. what I used to think that feeling was when they would ask me, like, come and ask me a business question and want me to tell them the answer. 
so that whatever they went out and did would work and produce the result they wanted it to produce. And I would have that feeling. And I was, I really did think I was just mad, pissed off and frustrated to the point where not too many years ago, but years ago, I actually hired a psychologist. I hired a psychologist, uh, to, I had taken this test. She had administered this test. It's called the Neo N E O the Neo you, you have to pay for it. And only licensed psychologists can administer it. And I had done it before with her, like in 2013. And so I had done it again, like five years later. So 2017. And I was like, Hey, I'm having this problem with the way I feel about clients. Can I have you administer this test to 10 of my best clients? The ones that I don't get like frustrated with or whatever. And she already had my results. So we did it. She administered the test. And then we had this group zoom call and she spoke about the results of the test. So that was really helpful for me because I recognized it, it wasn't a personality issue with clients. It wasn't like a way they were wired from a personality perspective. It was, I was not tapped in enough to my own emotions. Therefore, when they were experiencing whatever they was, were experiencing, I didn't know how to guide them and I didn't know how to handle that. And so one of the things that I started noticing is that, okay, this is the big thing I was getting frustrated with because people come to me for very specific results. I also just happen to be a very results driven person and I want my clients to be getting results. So why they're coming to me and when clients do not get results working with me, I don't like it. Oh, and it was getting yeah. like beyond bothersome. And I was like, do I just suck? Like, am I just not good at what I'm doing? And that's the first place I think a lot of us go. Uh, at least mm -hmm. I do. I go to like, oh, it's I do too. Fault. Yeah. It's not them. It's me. I don't know what I'm I think, doing. I think it's because we just take so much ownership. Like we've gone from that, like that victim mindset is just not a part of it. And so we, we will take so much ownership that it's something that I even uh, teach to to my clients, like you can only take 100% ownership. Yeah. <laughs> you cannot take 10% of somebody else's ownership yeah. over their results. Yeah. So I was, I, so then I, I have spent like years diving into like, why do some clients not get results and some do? And you know, my background, I worked for like a major coaching company where I got to see over a thousand aspiring entrepreneurs go through our programs. I had a front row seat to that. And it's like, why are only 5% of them building multiple six and seven figure businesses and 95% are not like why they all have access to the same thing. Like, why is this not, why is this working for some people and not working for others? And the more that I've started working with my own clients on this and gotten myself to a place where I feel honestly safe, kind of having this conversation with my clients and safe following my own intuition, because that is straight up intuition. When I can tell, or anybody can tell, that's just intuition that I can tell when somebody's out of alignment. I used to think it was me. Now I know it's like a line alignment thing. And when somebody who is so skilled and so gifted and so talented is out taking action and it's not working, the only thing that it could be, and I'm saying this as a business strategist, it's not a business problem. It's an alignment problem. It's a soul problem, meaning they're just out of alignment with their soul. They're putting too much weight 
on the business strategies and tactics and numbers and metrics. And again, I will do that all day long. And I teach that come to me when you're ready for that. But if you're not honoring where your soul is actually guiding you, not just in your business, but in your life, and it has to start with your life first, nothing I say to you is going to work or it will work, but you're burned out or it will work, but you're exhausted or it will work, but you hate your clients or it will work, but you don't like the programs you've developed or it will work, but there's always a, but, and there's one of those things I said is usually the other side. I'll give you a really good example. I ran a retreat for our mastermind clients in January of this year. Sadly, it had to be virtual. It's hard to do on virtual, but somehow this, we literally went off agenda and off script and we ended up spending like a whole day on talking about this soul first. And that's really where that hashtag soul first strategy second birthed. And I could tell we cannot sit here and talk about business for three days. Like these women that this is not what they're, we cannot do this. And I was like, for me, that is like tough because that's what I love doing. And I'm like, I can't do it with him. Like, we've got to have this conversation about soul. And so we did, and we, we went there and one of the clients in particular, um, she realized she was being called to completely move her home mm. from the United States to Mexico, mind you. What? So by March, this was January by March, she put her house on the market. It sold a few days later. She got $350,000 over asking, paid in cash, sold all their belongings, moved to Mexico with nowhere to live, just figured it out for four months, literally four months, figured it out, stayed with people, stayed in places, drove around. She just purchased two months ago, a dream condo in Mexico overlooking the ocean. That's called soul first. She since then has had multiple six figure launches, right? So it's like you do that, then everything else works. Then you make all the money, then the launches work. Then, the, and it's not like she wasn't, she was making money before, but now it's just like the freaking floodgates open mm -hmm. because she's saying yes to her soul. And when you say yes, you have to say yes. We have to understand that possibility and opportunity lives on the other side of your yes. Say yes to your soul first. Say yes to your soul first and keep saying yes to it and keep saying yes to it because you have to, because that's where the next door of opportunity and possibility opens. That's where you just sort of have like this literally un, like limitless way of being in the world. Then, it, then you start to trust yourself in your business then you can almost self-guide better in your business. Then you don't need your coach to hold your hand every single day in your business. Then you don't freak out when you open your cart and you didn't have like 42 people buy in the first 24 hours. You, you trust. So that's the soul first strategy second. The strategy in your business only works when you are being guided by your soul first. Once you figure that out, then come get all the strategy you need because it will amplify to in a mind-blowing, unimaginable way, it will amplify the fact that you followed soul first. Amen, sister. Yeah, that's like, I remember because 
to give an example as to how this works, like back in 2017, I remember when everyone like the, it, it seemed the coaching industry norm to do a 20 minute free call and you just close somebody on a high ticket package after a 20 minute free call. And I was doing so many of these. <laughs> I was doing so many of these and I wasn't closing. And so I went back, I said, you know, this isn't my first business. What did I do in my Pilates business that worked so well? And I looked at that success. I said, oh, I've, I am always and always have been driven by service and money. But I know that serve it, like the transformation is in the transaction. So if I'm trying to have a transformative conversation in 20 minutes that somebody hasn't paid for, it was not in my belief system to even that that, that could be possible. It, I closed two people <laughs> and it was able, like by looking at that, I said, well, what was the strategy that I then put into place with Pilates and from my Pilates business, I would have an intro session where someone would get a taste and then I would sell them on uh, a package. And I asked myself, like, what if I just shifted that strategy? What if I just applied the same strategy and had a paid call instead? Well, that was when in 2018, my business grew 389% because I was following that place of soul. I was following that place of soul and then I looked at the strategy that had already made me successful in the past so that I could grow again. Same with, you know, choosing to move it to Australia. Craziest decision. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy yeah. pants decision and perfect alignment space of landing in this this beautiful state of Queensland that is just like this lovely little bubble of awesome in Australia. Yeah. And it came from that following soul. So what were those soul-based decisions that you made that just were like a no-brainer, that, well, but that like took an immense like, amount of courage? Just like you moving, right? Like moving, we didn't go all the way to Australia, but we moved across the country. So we moved from North Carolina to California. Then we did it again and moved California to Florida. Now that doesn't sound like a big deal, but I lived 10 minutes away from my parents. And mm -hmm. We moved when I was 32. I didn't know a life not living that close to my parents. I, I mean, I was still in my hometown and that was tough because they were angry and they were angry for many, many years. But I knew if I didn't do that, then I was going to, I was going to just kind of like be, that was my average right there. Right. So it was moving. And then we decided to move again. And that time we sold everything we owned in California and we drove across the country to Florida and we had no place to live. And it was just trust. I mean, we had no idea. We had nowhere to move. We had and no, how old was your daughter when you did that? Five. Wow. It was barely five. And we, but we figured it out. So, you know, the moves have been huge for, for me. Um, you know, I think like big things like starting a business, this isn't a big one, but the podcast, I mean, I know that's so small in the grand scheme of things, but starting that podcast, because it's something I'd had a podcast. I'll give a little context around that. I'd had a podcast before and I despised it. I hated every ounce of it. I had it for a year and it was like the bane of my existence. And then for the last year, I've had like this kind of niggling thing around like 
start a podcast, start a podcast, start a podcast. And, and I didn't because I wasn't clear on, well, what's, what am I talking about in the podcast and what's the angle of the podcast and what does it mean for a listenership and a community? And it just kind of like dropped in one day and it's like marriage, motherhood, and business. You're supposed to be talking to people who are doing those things um, because that's what you do, Megan. Like you're doing all three of those things. And how many examples do we have out there? We need more examples of women like me and like you, Kim, where we, we are married and family in the home and tradition is important to us and family values are important to us. And we have kids and oh, by the way, we're building empires. Um, let's, let's hear more of those women talk and saying yes to that. Here's how I know it, it's a soul alignment. It's what I said very, at the very beginning of this conversation about the podcast. I feel like I've been doing it for years. It has been the easiest thing ever I've done in my business. It is one of the most fun, enjoyable things I've done in my business. It's one of the most organized things. Uh, I feel like I could go teach people how to do it at this point. And we've only been doing it three weeks. And it just feels almost feels like you're like this old, it's almost like old soul, like this old, I don't know, I can't explain it, but it just feels like it was just meant to be all along. And I know it's like small, so small, like starting a podcast, but everything is just working so well. And you also kind of have this feeling and this, I would say like a vision, more like an inner knowing. And it's like, I know that podcast is going to impact so many lives or have millions of downloads or, you know, I'm not like, I don't have a goal. Like I want to be number one, but I wouldn't be surprised if it did one day become number one, but it's not like I have, like, I'm going to be the number one podcast host in America. It's not like that. It just feels like that inner knowing. Um, another example would have been when I, out of the blue, this was when I had my first coaching business out of the blue, I applied to be someone else's apprentice for their company. And I had no idea who she was. I had never heard of her before. And one day this video pops up in my Facebook newsfeed of this woman sitting in a white suit with the Pacific ocean behind her talking for the video was like six and a half minutes long. And she was passing the torch and she had this apprenticeship program you had to apply for. And I was like, well, who's this and what is she talking about? But I'm, I'm getting that I am going to be her apprentice. And I think like I heard like 150 people applied for that. I had to go look up her blog and watch her YouTube videos because I didn't know what she did. And there were questions in the application that unless I had been in her community, I would have had no clue how to answer because of the word she was using and the brand name she was using. And I was like, I'm smart enough to go like write and articulate. Like, let me just go like read her blog a little bit. And I got that apprenticeship. And I guarantee you, I was the only person who did not know who she was before I applied. That literally has built what I did there is a reason why I'm here now. It built my business. It built my business the last five years. I was there for four years. Had I not done that, I wouldn't have moved to California because that's the reason why I moved. I wouldn't have moved to Florida. I wouldn't have the business I have today, wouldn't have the relationships I have today, wouldn't have the experience I have today, like all the things. So that one, it's again, let's like so small. The only way I can describe like, the soul first thing, it's just like this inner knowing and you just know that it is, and there's zero questioning it. There's zero hesitation. You just know, but not from like an arrogant place. It's just an inner quiet 
certain, confident, grounded, knowing. Yeah. That I've had I, that come through with like clients. Like I'll have like uh, someone will reach out to me who's worked with me in the past and they're like, I think, you know, maybe, you know, I saw that you're launching this program and I said, that's not what you want. You want to work together again. And I'll just know. And I'll say that's so we could either, you know, beat around the bush and do like a 20 minute like conversation and have a chat about it. Or here's the link. Enroll. And every time that has happened, every time they have signed up and every time transformation has occurred, like massive transformation. Yep. Yeah. And it's it's trusting in that knowing and in that soul. Mm-hmm. Megan, I could talk to you for hours. <laughs> no, we could keep going. We could keep going. So let's hit, let's circle back on that just because that open loop is going to be there on that revenue piece. <laughs> well, let's question. close that loop. The revenue piece of creating about- predictability and revenue. Okay. So when it comes, I'm going to stick to the business pieces because we've talked so much about all the alignment pieces. I think people got that. I think where people go astray is on the business side with this. It is number one, designing your business model, meaning the style of programs you're putting out, products, programs, offers, whatever, that is actually in alignment and makes mathematical sense to the financial goal you say you want to make. That also includes price points. That also includes like volume of people that are required to build that, like to to meet that goal. It also involves the marketing strategies and systems that are aligned with a particular business model you have chosen. That's actually where a lot of people go wrong. So let me give some examples. I believe, and this is just my personal philosophy and belief, it's not right. I believe the fastest way to, you know, if we're going to talk like, you know, multiple six, seven figures, it's high ticket, it's high ticket and it's lower volume. And I'm not saying you have to stay in that model, but what I also like about that model is it puts you in the trenches with clients and it gives you probably the absolute best opportunity to go exceptionally deep with individual people so that you really figure out how to create transformation in somebody's life. And you really figure out their needs, their wants, your methodology, your process. And with that, you don't have to do a heck of a lot of marketing for that. You could build a whole referral-based marketing system and never touch, hardly touch social media and charge $50,000 to work with you privately or $10,000 or $100,000. And you could have a high six to seven figure business just from like a couple of handfuls of clients. Group coaching programs. I mean, I teach people how to transition out of one-on-one into groups and like scalable programs. People don't charge enough. So like somebody says, I want to make $40,000 a month. And I'm like, great, but your program only costs $1,000. And you've got five people who follow you. Like that's not going to work. Plus the way you're marketing it doesn't actually make sense because it's not sustainable. So it's figuring out the offers and the business model and the price points that actually make mathematical sense to get those numbers, then here's the other piece that makes it more predictable. Figure out the programs you're going to stick with. And look, once you get further along in your business, you can figure out how to sell things that are lower ticket, come up with things and put in front of your audience because you've built enough rapport with them, know, like, and trust that they will buy anything you put in front of them. But when you're just getting started or you're in like, I would say, under $500,000 a year, 
figure out like that flagship program, the thing that you're going to become known for and just get so insanely good at it and make it better inside the actual program in terms of the delivery and get exceptional case studies and figure out how, what is the way that, that works for me to fill that program over and over and over and over and over again. So it's like the power of one. It's people changing their minds all the time and creating new offers all the time before they have actually validated an offer. Like if you haven't validated one offer, don't think that just spraying around a bunch of new offers is going to work because you haven't even validated this offer, which means you haven't validated your marketing or your messaging or your sales process or anything. So that, so like one to two offers, right price point, same kind of like marketing system and sales system. You're just like getting really, really masterful at that usually takes years that creates predictable income. Then the other thing I would say that I think 95% of all entrepreneurs don't do, um, this is something I do. I haven't always done it either. I create future projection financial models. So I am actually doing it this month for all of 2022, where I have a spreadsheet and that spreadsheet indicates every single program I'm going to offer, the price points and what I'm projecting I'm going to make from those programs in terms of cash in the bank, not revenue, cash in the bank every single month for the entire year of 2022. It's when we're not looking at those numbers, it's when we're not paying attention to that, that everything is hit or miss. And you're just literally kind of relying on like, I don't know what you're relying on to think that money's going to predictably come in. But I would say like common, like those two things right there, that cre creates predictability. Obviously, I don't think I need to say consistency, like be a broken record. Everybody says that, but obviously. <laughs> yeah, because consistency is, is, it's a given. And that it's kind of a byproduct of having that predictability and that mm -hmm. plan as well. Yeah. Yep. Are you ready for a little rapid fire? Yeah. <laughs> so let's dive in. What, who is your favorite female character in a book or a movie and why? What? Yes. Ah, really? Okay. Now that I know what I know years later, this would not be like my favorite movie, but Katniss Everdeen from the Hunger Games. I loved that character. She was just like, she just went for it. She's one of my most all, all time, most favorite characters in a movie that for that reason. And then Mary Poppins. That is like, I could totally see that being the hybrid of, of you, yes. Mary Poppins and Katniss Everdeen. Oh man, I think I just stumbled on something. I think you just stumbled on something. I think we just had a breakthrough. <laughs> we did. <laughs> Branding breakthrough. <laughs> what woman would you want to trade places with, alive or dead, just for a day? And by dead, I mean you would trade places with her back when she was alive. Um, live in her body, feel her thoughts. Probably Serena Williams, because I grew up being a tennis player. I'm obsessed with tennis. I'm obsessed with athletes. And to be like the greatest of all time in your craft, that would be epic. I would love to hear like what her thoughts are, because you're dealing with the media, the pressure of that. How do you handle, like, how do you even, how do you even live with that? Um, and I follow her pretty religiously. So her. If you were to have your success at twice the speed, what would you do differently? Oh my God, these questions are so good. What would I do differently? 
not hesitate. Ooh, that is that's like you're the first person to ever say that in over 150 episodes, and that is probably one of my favorite answers. Yeah, like the just the hesitation and delay just causes so much angst. doubt and angst. angst. Yeah, what's your what's your morning routine? I wake up. Actually, my Brighton runs in the bedroom. She wakes up 30 minutes before I do. And so does Sean. She runs in the bedroom. She lays on top of me and says, get up, mommy, get up. And I say, good morning and give her a kiss. I uh, get her ready for school, make her lunch. You guys, you thought you were going to get a real morning routine. I don't do yeah. meditation. There's, there's no meditation or workout. No. Or <laughs> no. So I do all of that in 30 minutes. And then we all get in the car together. Sean and I drop Brighton off at, at school every morning. We leave at 7.30. He and I drive to the gym. And I work out with my husband every day at the gym. And then we come home. I do, I get coffee, which is what gets me through my workout because I love having coffee in the morning. We eat breakfast. I take a shower. Uh, I do not do anything like special meditation, yoga. I don't, I don't do those things. I, yeah, I don't, I don't do those things in the morning either. Like I moved my transcendental meditation into the afternoon since having a baby. I'm like, the only thing I do, I wake up at five, go to the gym. That's yeah. where yeah. you'll see Sometimes me. Sometimes <laughs> I feel bad. Like I don't say like, oh, I like meditate and like read and do all these things. But then I'm like, you know what? Well, I do what works for me. Exactly. And that's, that's the thing about a morning routine that I, that I just, love is, is that it's personal. It's personal for you. And I remember when I first heard about having like a solid morning routine and I added in books and added in meditation and this, like I had this whole process and I was like, it's taking me two freaking hours to get into my day. Like, yeah. why don't I just get into it? There you go. There you go. What's the evening routine to set you up for a wonderful morning? Yeah. Again, I don't have anything special. The biggest thing for me, I am an eight to nine hour sleeper. Always have been my whole life. Sleep is exceptionally important for me. I also drink a lot of water, probably too late, but I drink a lot of water, uh, especially in the evening. And I get really, really good sleep. Mm. I look forward to the days of, of really, really good sleep again without a baby. <laughs> yep. <laughs> those are those are those are goals right there. And so what do you consider to be your kingdom? My kingdom, um, my messy office on a surface level. Everybody, please laugh at that. I think just planet Earth, that's my kingdom. And lastly, how do you crown yourself? How do I crown myself? Oh my gosh, these questions. I wish I had been prepped. I never prep I anyone on the rapid fire, ever. I know you don't. Um, <laughs> that's why it's called rapid fire. How do I crown myself? I don't yes. know if I do. Maybe I need coaching on that, Kim. <laughs> what, is it, what does that mean to you? It can be whatever it means to you. Okay, so here's what it means to me. Like, how do I actually honor, how do I honor myself and honoring what I, what at least what I believe is the calling on my life? For me, that is choosing consciously to operate at the level of excellency and integrity that I believe my calling deserves and my life deserves while I'm here. Like not selling self short. Yeah. Amazing. Megan, how do we find you? How do we work with you? Plug yourself. How do we listen to your podcast built to last with Megan Huber? Yeah, I would say go follow the podcast. 
go listen to conversations over there. Kim's going to be over there as well. Maybe by the time this drops, hers may have dropped over there. Um, so the show is built to last. We talk all things marriage, motherhood, and business. We have a lot of business conversations with a lot of women who are married and are also moms and just doing business really well too. So there, Instagram, Megan J. Huber, website, MeganJohnsonHuber.com. Awesome. Megan, it has been a pleasure. And as always, my fellow sovereigns, own your throne, mind your business because your reign is now. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If what you heard resonated with you, be sure to subscribe and share your breakthroughs and ahas with me by leaving a review on iTunes so I can keep the magic flowing your way. And if you aren't already following us on social media, come experience the extra inspiration and queenly convos on Instagram at crownyourselfnow or visit our website at crownyourself.com. I am so excited to connect with you in the next episode. And in the meantime, go out there and create a body, business, and life that rules.